And I thank you, Lord, for the rejoicing in the hearts of your people, not because of circumstances on earth, but because of things in heaven. That that is our real home, Father. Rejoicing comes from the situations that are going on in heaven. I thank you, Lord, that the council of heaven has already declared and decreed that the people in the body of Christ are healed. I thank you, Lord, also that anybody who comes to you by faith can receive healing as well. So we thank you, Lord, that this is a day of healing, miracles, and rejoicing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 You may give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. He's good. He's worthy. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to talk about miracles today. Amen. Amen. So we talk about miracles. <laughs> we, uh, we've done several meetings with that theme because we always, whenever you gather together in the Lord, you talk about what you're expecting. And we talk about miracles because we're expecting them. We don't talk about what we see. We talk about what we desire and what God's word says. So we're going to talk about miracles today. The word miracle really is from the Latin word mira, which means to behold, to look at. A miracle is something that is what we call eye-popping, the word exotic is uh, another translation that means to for your eyes to stand out literally and so a miracle is something that causes you to stop and pay attention for instance Moses with the burning bush but it wasn't consumed and so that caused him to stop and whenever there is a miracle power in the atmosphere God is there God is the only one with miracle working power Amen. Now, a miracle is is an activity or an action that causes the normal flow of events to be interrupted. The normal sequence of events is interrupted and that qualifies it as a miracle. So say, for instance, you have a, a, a progressive disease or an incurable disease and you are expected to get nothing but worse. Well, when you get healed and get better and that disease leaves you, that's a miracle because it stopped the normal course of events that usually happens with people in that situation. Amen? And God is the only one who does miracles. Now, people say things, well, the devil, no, the Bible says the devil is full of lying signs and wonders. So a miracle is much more than a sign. It is a sign of God's miracle working power. It points you in the direction of Almighty God. And so a sign or a wonder is just something that may cause attention, but it's not, it doesn't qualify as a miracle because it's not followed up with the power of God in evidence. See, it's not created by the power of God. God's signs and wonders are true. They are not liars. They are true. They point to the true and the living God. So it takes power to produce a miracle. Only God possesses miracle working power. The power of God is called dunamis in the Greek. Explosive power. So God's power, once it gets in operation, it's uncontrollable by human hands. Hello. 
Now you want to grab a tiger by the tail, I would say start messing with God and his miracle working power. It cannot be stopped. Amen. And this is good news because many times people will will get say they'll come to a healing meeting and get what I call a, 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 a seed of their healing, a beginning of it. And sometimes people will will withdraw their faith from from the situation because if if you've been sick and you're feeling better sometimes you just want to feel better and it doesn't dawn on you that I really need to keep my spirit still so that I can get the rest of my miracle huh and so but that power still works it can be revived say for instance if you're feeling good and you get home and the symptom comes back again you can thank God for your healing and resist that and say, God, I thank you that I am healed and that healed miracle working power will rise up again and take that thing out of you. So it cannot be stopped. Amen. It cannot be stopped. That's why it's called dunamis, like dynamite. It explodes and it takes over everything that's not like it. So it cannot be stopped. I was uh, reading that one question somebody was asking if there was uh, if you need deliverance will that stop you from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit only if you want it to huh because the power of God cannot be stopped how dare a devil stay in the way of the Holy Spirit and win huh it can't happen so you stay with your faith don't let yourself get convinced that um, uh, something that's that's temporary can supplant something that's eternal. They wow, yeah, yeah. sins temporary. Yeah. 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 Us saved people, huh? <laughs> and if you still sin and you need to know it's temporary, all right? If that's news to you, write it down that on this date you found out sin was only temporary. Huh? God had a plan for our redemption before we even were created. So before you even sinned, he already made up his mind. He'd cleanse you because it's not an issue to him. Huh? I'm going to say it again. Your sin is not an issue to him. It's already been dealt with at the cross. So if it, it couldn't be an issue any longer because it's been dealt with at the cross. All we have to do is partake. Of the redemption and partake of the uh, righteousness that Jesus has provided for us. So once the power is present, it will release the situation from hopeless to healed. It will release whatever is being held from death to life. Once the miracle working power is in effect. Now, how do we release the power of the Holy Spirit? Through our faith. Calling upon the name of Jesus is a very simple thing. Very often just walking in obedience to God. The power is already automatically released into your life. He is your present help in trouble. And so he is right there with us in every situation that we ever go through in life. And if we will extend our faith toward him, he will release miracle working power in our lives. There are times when God works, we, we believe almost sovereignly. Sometimes you don't have to have, you know, have time to call upon his name. And God will move in and correct the situation. Amen. Praise God. 
So I thought we'd start out today with uh, some testimonies that I thought would be very beneficial and very uplifting and faith building and, and edifying because, um, you know, there was a, a, a saying that they had in, in uh, early, the early Christian church, you know, a lot of Christianity uh, was birthed around Rome and, and it was really came out of the Roman Empire. And so a lot of the uh, uh, sayings that they had were in Latin as well. You know, they spoke all those languages there, but Latin seemed to be the language that dominated throughout Christianity. And there was a saying that was passed down that the early church, it was something the early church used to do. And the saying is mirabile dictu, M-I-R-A-B-L-I-L-E, mirabile dictu. Domino's, no way. <laughs> well, you look, Marsha. <laughs> and it means wonderful to talk about. It means to talk about wondrous things and talk about miracles. Now, this is something that the early church did that is probably responsible for a lot of the miracles that they had during that time. When the Bible says that they would gather and go house to house, they were daily under the apostles' doctrine and prayer and would meet from house to house, what do you think they did when they got there? They didn't talk about the preacher that sinned and, and you know, got exposed in charisma on television. Huh? Or they would not have had any miracles, folks. But they talked about wonderful things. And this is how they got the work of the early church done, is they would gather together and share what God was doing. They would talk the word. They would talk what the apostles taught them. They would do the mirabile dictu, that is, talk about wonderful things and talk about wondrous things. And pretty soon that room would be filled with faith, And they would begin to pray and God would come in and manifest and heal people and save people and fill people with the Holy Spirit because they knew how to keep the presence of God, the miracle working power of God very strong among them. And this is what we do now in the church. This is why when we come together, we speak the word, we preach the word, we share the revelation, we share the testimony. Because we want to talk about wondrous things. We want to talk the miracle working power of God. And God will show up in the midst of our conversation with his miracle working power and manifest himself to meet every need. Amen? It's just that simple. It's that simple. So I'm going to have uh, Nola Dillard and Becky, her daughter, come up uh, because um, God has done some miracles. This was just, I guess, a week of challenge but overcoming uh, for us because we had several situations that were very, um, uh, you know, could have turned out much worse. Um, Come on up, Nola and Becky, and I'll pass these out. Uh, This is what Becky's car looks like now. I'll pass that around and... They'll share with you how that happened. So you guys take a good look at it. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can you can help her out, Nola. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. This just happened Monday. What's today? Saturday? Uh-huh. Yeah, this just happened Monday. And um, 
first I just want to say Jesus is a covenant keeper. You know, he keeps, yeah. amen, yes, yes. He is a promise keeper. He will never fail you. And uh, I was thinking about Pastor Barb when you said he's a very present help. You know, yes. When God says, I'm at hand, that means I'm right there. Yes. He is at yes. hand. Yes. And so uh, the Lord really set us up for this miracle. My cousin Micah, my, most of you know she was in a fatal car accident about a month ago. She's only seven years old. So uh, when she had the car accident, her spine was separated from her back. And uh, she had to wait three weeks to get surgery because she had pneumonia, and then she had a fever. So every week, Pastor Shirley has been praying. We've been breaking the devil's power. And so I've been encouraging my cousin with the word, you know, your daughter will live and not die. You know, declare the word of life over your daughter. So the Lord was really setting us up for our miracle. So I've been trying to encourage my cousin. She knows Pastor Barb and Pastor Shirley. She lives here in Michigan. And uh, so she knows that when they pray, their prayers get answered because they know God is faithful to his word. And so Sunday night, I um, gave her a scripture for her to meditate on because Micah needed another surgery Monday. And it's Psalms 21. I had my, I've been having my scripture keys, and I've been encouraging her with a scripture every day. And so Sunday night, I sent her this scripture, and it says, He asked life of thee, and thou gave it to him, even length of days forever and ever. And so I told my cousin, I said, you just keep asking life for Micah because she's going to live and not die. And God's going to give her length of days. And so, but that scripture stayed with me all day Monday. And so uh, that's what I was meditating on, thinking I was meditating on for my little cousin, that she would live and be a support to my cousin. And, uh, and then Monday night, can you, can you, go ahead, you can do it. You can do it, you can do it. Uh, I was on my way work, home from work and... I swerved from two gears that came out of nowhere, and my car flipped and rolled two times, and I was able to crawl out alive. There was, um, and you know, we live in the country. Is this on? Oh, it's not on. So it was God is so faithful because, you know, we live in the country. And that one good thing, she was in between my house and Pastor Barb's house. So she was in a, a dark area. And um, and so she got out, she crawled out the car. And so she was, you know, asked, looking for help. And the, uh, the Lord sent a guy down. He saw her. He called our house. And uh, she was kind of like in between. She was a half an hour from my house and, you know, not far from Pastor Barb. So I told little Howard. I said, well, you call Tone because he'll get there before I will. But you know what? When I heard her on the phone, I couldn't understand anything she was saying because, you know, she was hysterical. But you know what? This scripture rose up inside of me. And I said, God gave my daughter life. You know, amen. And, um, and so when, um, but Tone never knew. I never talked to Becky, you know, because he talked to little Howard. So when he got there, he saw the fire trucks. He saw her car upside down, and he saw everything, and he broke down. And y'all know Big Tone. There's Big Tone. <laughs> and, uh, but one of the firemen came over to him and told him it's, it's worse than what it looks. And uh, it's, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. See, what is it? It looks worse. It's not as bad as it looks. Yeah. Thank you. Now I'm nervous. It's not as bad as it looks. Amen. And that's something to remember. You know, it's not as bad as it looks. You know, the devil likes to, you know, he likes to be on on blast and make himself look like he has more power than Jesus, but he's a liar. It's never as bad as it looks. 
And uh, so anyway, that prepared me because Tone called, and he said, well, she's not here. They took her to the hospital. So I said, well, should I go to the hospital? Or? And so I said, you know what, I'm going to come. And we, Daniel, could see the, the fire trucks. We could see it was kind of getting foggy, so you could see that it was awful looking. And uh, so when I, I was thinking, I said, well, we better go because we better look for her phone and her everything, all her belongings, because I'm sure they just took her. So when we got there, and uh, Tone and I were walking, you know, in the street towards one another, and the gentleman that called us, he said, um, he said they took her. He said, she's fine. She was walking around. But he kept saying, two girls. He said, two girls were working with her. And he kept saying, they were working with her. And so, uh, so Tone and I were talking, you know, so he was telling us when we got, when I talked to Becky, uh, she said, it was two ladies. They came. She said, they sat me down. And they were rubbing my back. And they were rubbing my legs, and they calmed me down. She said, and then they went, and they started bringing me stuff. She said, they brought me my purse. Then they brought me my cell phone. Then they brought her her uniform in the mud, in the dark, no street lights. And so the Lord sent two angels to help my daughter and to comfort her. Uh, just everything, the garage opener, everything that was a concern that she couldn't get, she recovered all. Amen. You know, and... Um, the next day when I saw the car on the flatbed, when I saw those pictures, I was amazed because it just didn't look, I couldn't see all that in the dark. But uh, Jesus is faithful. He is faithful. Amen. And we got to the hospital when we, Tony and I and Dan and Josh got there, the nurse had came in. She said, I just want to tell you, there is absolutely nothing wrong with your daughter. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. He's so good. Amen. Amen. So that we'd had a week, huh? <laughs> you ready, Nene? <laughs> Case number two, I guess, huh? Yeah, praise God. Okay. Started, uh, I work midnights and I do um, health care, so I'm a sitter. So I just learned how to text, so sometimes <laughs> when I can't get, oh, y'all laughing. Right. <laughs> that ain't so right, Sometimes is when I can't get my resident to sleep or something, I text Pastor Barb, help, pray for whoever, because they won't sleep. And I'm just like a zombie and stuff, you know, just like. Because when 7 o'clock come, I'll be ready to run up out of there. <laughs> right. Like, I hope the person get here early so I can leave. So, um, you know, I text her and stuff. So then, like, Wednesday, you know, the whole week before, I've been having these people that have been driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. But then Wednesday, I get this lady. She's already asleep when I get there, and she's resting and everything. So I was like, cool, you know, I'm going to have an easy night. So, you know, I was just watching TV, and then about 3 o'clock, I just started shaking. So I thought maybe it was because, you know, they got the air on, so I go and get me a blanket and put it over me and stuff. So puts the blanket over me, and then it still didn't stop. So then I, I grabbed my phone, and I was like, okay, God, um, I don't know what this is, but you ain't supposed to be here. Right. So, uh... 
then I text Pastor Barbara, I was like, help, pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, she texts me basically like, be healed. <laughs> so, you know, I said, oh, okay. But that didn't work. Did I start I started doing like this. I, I couldn't even hold the phone, so then I just was like, where's the number? Yeah. And then I called her up on the phone, and, I, and so I told her, I said, I don't know what it is, but I'm just shaking uncontrollably and stuff. So then uh, she said, well, uh, we're just going to have to con- take control of it. So um, then we start, she started praying, and I was praying in tongues, what we learned today. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it, it started going down a little bit, and then I said, let me get up and walk. I put my little blanket on like I was Kate. Right. Start walking around. <laughs> Kate Start saying in tongues and stuff, louder and stuff. And so uh, then it started going down and down more. I was, I was getting real happy then. I was like, <laughs> 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 and then so I said, then all of a sudden it just stopped. Amen. I'm like, Pastor Amen. Bob, it's yeah. gone. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I also want to say that it's been 14 years ago when I had my stroke mm-hmm. and five years since I was diagnosed with breast cancer mm-hmm. that that's gone too. So. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about wonderful things. Amen. Things that we... Amen. Really too marvelous to understand, but it is God, you know, because we serve the one true and living God. And when you call on him and call on his name, he always comes through for you, always comes through. So it's not something sometimes that you can just let go of because I was thinking about how God prepares your faith for things. Uh, When he starts stirring up your faith, you stay with it until you get your breakthrough because I know when we, Renee and I started praying and we prayed for 40 minutes before that thing let her go. So if you're one of these, you know, don't, I'm against certain things like the one minute Bible and the, you know, quick one minute devotional. Uh, No, you stay with it until you get victory because you're not going to walk away. Sometimes we want too much for too little. But, you know, what were we going to do to stop and let the devil continue to kill her? So I just believe that you stay with because there is a point of victory for everybody. And you just have to stay with the spirit and he'll let you know when that release comes because you'll know because you're healed. And so that's what I want to always encourage you to do. You know, that, that these aren't snap quick things all the time. These are things sometimes you have to walk through them. But you will get through them. Becky was a little sore and a little stiff the first day, and, and she came over and stayed in the bonus room. She always comes over that the night before the conference. She made up her mind she wasn't going to, it never occurred to her to stay home. She was going to the conference, period. <laughs> Amen. And she always stays at my home because her parents have to go over. You know, uh, they they have they drive the bus over, and so she stays over at my home, and and they all pick them up over there. She stays with Tippy at at my house for that one night, 
and so she stayed in the bonus room that night and she told me she said well I was hurting and I was a little sore but it's all gone now and so God will finish the job amen and never take these things lightly if you're a person who enjoys good health praise God pray for somebody else you got me amen don't don't take it lightly like you'll never need it because we always need god and we always need to be made well so we're going to talk some more about miraculous and and miracle things uh if you'll go to acts chapter 9 there's one of my favorite stories there one of my favorites in 9 36 says now there was at joppa a certain disciple named tabitha which by interpretation is called Dorcas. You'll see that Tabitha is Latin and Dorcas is Greek. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. So she's a person that when she's gone, she's missed. Huh? People have a, you know, it, you know it's good to, to do good. Doing good will come back to help you one day. I mean, you just never know. And so she was highly valuable to God's people. Huh? She was highly valuable to God's people. You know, I know some some of us have lost our parents and and boy that's a a missing. You really miss them because all of the things that they've done, they raised you, they took care of you. All of the things that they do for you over the years, it's almost like that, I would think, with this lady. She was a highly valuable person to God's people. It said it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Leda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they noticed how God does things. He makes sure that you know that help is in place for the things that you need. There are no accidents in God's kingdom. There are only divine appointments. And so he says here, they've heard that Peter was there. And they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. God always, when God sends a servant, he sends somebody who will serve, who will be cooperative. You got me? You know, he never sends people who are too busy. He never sends people who want to do other things. He never sends people who think they're important. He sends the servants. You got me? He sends people who will get up and do what he requires them to do. And so he says, they heard, and Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought unto him in, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Now, listen, folks, and I know this sounds a little <laughs> a little on the carnal side, but God saw dorcas's value one way and the people saw it another and those two met up in faith if you look at look at verse 36 these are her credentials she was full of good works 
and alms deeds. That means she took care of the poor. She gave to the poor. She was always that's that's her her um, that's her report before God. Those are things that God values. He values somebody who takes care of the poor. He values somebody who's full of good works. The sisters in town, however, <laughs> huh? What does it say the women were upset about? The dressmaker dead. This is a fashion emergency, folks. Now, God's good lady with the alms deeds can meet up with your fashion emergency and cause that lady to get a miracle. You understand what I'm saying? Faith is more desire than anything else. Faith is almost 90% desire. It's 90% want to. Huh? And the rest of it is understanding the word and understanding God. But when you come up to the altar for prayer, if you will want something enough, God will meet you with the rest of what you need to accomplish that. Faith is mostly desire. Huh? Because God will never bring to you something you don't want. Huh? He won't. If you don't want it, there's no door open for your faith to to be exposed to God. So the you say, but but faith mostly is desire. People want, want, want it. Huh? You'll hear people pray some, oh God, please, oh please. Do you know them people always get what they want? Amen. You know, and in faith people, us faith people, oh you don't have to beg God for nothing. You don't want it like I do. I know I don't have to beg for nothing, but I'm down here anyway, just in case that's gonna help. See? So faith is a <laughs> it's a true. You can't be too proud. To, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, yeah. Can't be too proud to beg. Amen. Uh-huh. Huh? Amen. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly desire. When God sees that you, that he, Jesus who said, what is it that you desire of me? What is it that you want from me? Hmm? And you express your want. And you look to him as the one who can supply it for you. And God will meet you there. So the ladies were weeping because the dressmaker did. Huh? It says they, they stood by weeping and showing the coats and garments which she had made. They said nothing about her alms deeds, her good works. And, oh, she was a good sister in the church. Yeah. The dressmaker did. Do you know your gift has resurrection life in it? If you use it for God, your gift has resurrection power in it. It'll raise you from the dead. It'll raise you from being sick. It'll raise you from quitting. It'll raise you from all kinds of things. Your gift will if it's dedicated to God. You know, sometimes you, <clears throat> things get overwhelming or oh, I, feel, I don't feel like going to church today. And, I, and then you think about, well, if I don't go, what's going to happen with so-and-so and so? And you raise yourself up. It work, it, they all work like that. Your gift has a power to raise you up every single time. Sometimes people, I know, you know, people when we have these meetings, people work long, hard hours. You know, and, and during these conferences, we survive on three or four hours of sleep a night, and that's on a good night. But we keep going. You know, we look like little zombies here and there. Somebody told me last night, I look tired. I said, I'm going to slap you. 
<laughs> what a compliment to pay. You know, I'm trying to do my best here. You look tired. You do too. Well, but I don't go by how I look or feel. I go by the gift that's within me. Amen. And the power of God. Amen. So at verse 40, it says, Peter put them all forth. Okay. And threw the sisters out the room. All right. Just, okay. I get the message. The ladies did. Y'all need, y'all lack a dressmaker up in here. But God has sent me to raise her up. Amen, because it's the will of God that she be alive. Amen, she be alive. And he kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. Amen. The transfer of the anointing is very important. Uh, The transfer of the power of God is very important. Amen. So the unction was there. To touch her and lift her up. Amen. Now there are times, praise God, there are times when the minister will pray for a person and then instruct them to lift themselves up. But this wasn't that type of situation. You have to let the Holy Spirit show you what's necessary. This is done by the gift of the word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit is showing him, Peter, you need to touch her because she needs a greater impartation so that she can get up. You know, this is not she just fell down and can't get up. This this lady was dead. Amen. And him putting her spirit back into her. So sometimes people will need more of a touch and more of an impartation of anointing just so their being can come back to where it's supposed to be. And so you see Jesus do that many, many times. His touch always healed people and he always touched them where they had a need and so it says here amen praise god praise god and he says and when he had called the saints and widows presented her alive amen so god will prepare the situation he will prepare the atmosphere peter because he'd worked with jesus for three years understood how to control atmospheres To bring the dead back to life. Remember when Jesus brought the the, um, ruler of the synagogue, his daughter, back to life. And all the mourners were out there. Remember, he left the mourners outside and he only took the parents and a couple of his disciples. Why? Because the atmosphere must be charged with the miraculous power of God. Amen? And you get that by people being on one accord. You don't get it with, you know, the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the uh, fashionistas over here. You know, Versace was shot. You know, it's that kind of situation huh? with them, them queens over there. So he had to put them out because they all moaning over the dresses. Huh? So it says, okay, well, you called me, you did your job, now y'all go outside with that carrying on about the clothes, amen? And so he had, he left himself in there so that he could let the power of God work. Now, when, before he got there, I'm sure there, there was a certain kind of conversation going on about that woman. 
And I'm sure that conversation was edifying. That conversation was full of faith. They were talking up the miraculous in God. Other than that, Peter probably would not have shown up there. Huh? Because if there had been a lot of discussion about, well, I don't know if we should bother Peter. I don't know if she's going to make it. Well, how long has she been dead? Well, she too dead. Well, what's too dead? I don't know what, you know, hmm. graveyard dead, you know. (laughs) Huh? Cold dead. You know, how dead is the dead? But when, when, when the miraculous is talked about as an expectation and a hope, and a desire see they called him over and in the mean in the time that it took for him to get there from where he was it's very important that the conversation be kept full of faith that the conversation be talking up the miraculous oh yeah peter can do it remember when jesus raised that little peter was with him peter can do it peter will get her You, you understand what i'm saying so that's what we do we talk about miracles we talk up the miraculous we're full of faith we're full of desire and expectation and hope and that that keeps that atmosphere charged with expectation that when Peter gets there, that anointing will be released because the atmosphere at least has got enough faith in there to get him there. Yeah. Now, the rest of it has to do with calling down the miraculous power of God and allowing God to manifest himself in a great way. Yeah. See, we can have a desire for something and expect God to do it, but then we don't have the anointing or the atmosphere created to get the job done. See? And so that's what happens. Every step along the way, there's a preparation and there's something that's transpiring in that situation to make to accomplish what God wants to have done. So when the ladies called him and they talked him up and he got there, that their job was over. See? If they had stayed there and tried to do more, it would have taken away from the power that Peter had to exhibit to get the job done. And so they're standing there and they're weeping and they're talking. Well, their desire has been met. The anointing's coming now. So there's, they're, they've done their job in getting, that, getting Peter there with their desire and their expectation that he's going to meet that need and raise that woman from the dead. So after their job is done, then Peter comes in and he finishes the job by putting them out. Huh? Their level of faith has done what it needs to do, but it cannot do the miraculous. They do not. Other than that, that lady had been up out that bed already if they had it, you see. And so what he does is he clears the atmosphere. He allows that, that atmosphere to be created for him to get there and after that he has to clear the atmosphere farther for them to be able for him to be able to raise this woman from the dead and so when there's a a miraculous event taking place god must have center stage he must have center stage it cannot be one of these you know flash things and fly by night and you know a lot of hoopla and a lot of flesh involved it has to be a focus on the the minister focusing on what he does as an instrument of God. See, nothing of your own desire involved in that. You must work totally as an instrument of God. And so that's what Peter did. He was accustomed to doing that with Jesus. He'd already been with Jesus when Jesus raised the dead. And so he knew 
you can tell what the feel of the atmosphere must be about. You can tell by the the uh, drawing of the Holy Spirit. So you have to be in a place where you can focus and concentrate on what God is speaking to you as well as creating a healing atmosphere. And so Peter was able to do all of that just by taking control of the situation, thanking the ladies for calling him. Thank you. I understand what needs to be done. Now you all step aside and let the great physician and the healer, the resurrection and the life come in and raise this woman up from the dead. Amen. And that's how things happen. That's why we have an altar call. Because the power of God is concentrated at the altar. Huh? Because when, when we have the meeting, we allow there to be a place set aside for no shenanigans, no monkey business. You got me? And so, and, and we know that in the congregation, some people are more focused than others. Sometimes people are distracted or you have children with you. They get fidgety, so forth and so on. So we need a closet or a a secret place to bring people into where the power of God is concentrated so that we can work together up here to affect a healing and a cure for people. And that's why we have you come forward to the altar. Now, the other thing that that does is that you have to have faith to come forward. Huh? Amen. So your coming forward is an exercise of your faith for your answer, for your miracle, for your healing, whatever it is that you need. Now, let me tell you where people really goof things up. Um, I can receive right here in my seat. Huh? Hmm? Now, let me just give you an explanation of, of the difference. When you are, are in a meeting, you have to be under authority. You have to be. Somebody has to be in, responsible to God for that meeting. They have to be in control of that meeting. And you have to trust that the person in control has heard from God as to how to do things. And you're not trying to run things your way and make God do it a certain way because you don't want to go up or you don't want to be embarrassed or you heard somebody was at Benny Hinn and somebody next to him prayed for him and they got healed and all this kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you the difference. If you can get healed in a meeting like this where you can be taught and you can be healed, your healing's going to last a lot longer than if you're in a large corporate setting because Benny Hinn will tell you himself about 80% of people eventually lose what they got there. Because there's not the time to teach them. There's not the atmosphere to work with them. So he has the trust that the Holy Spirit is working in that atmosphere. And those people will be faithful to if they start the healing starts to go from them, that they will be smart enough, you know, to get into their own church and get some teaching, get some understanding, get something so they can hold on to that healing. But many times people will come in there and that atmosphere is wonderful. And then eventually they get back into that old atmosphere that they were in and they pretty much lose what they've had or it begins to diminish and they get fearful and let the devil take it away, the rest of it. And so it's better to have healing school miracle service because you can be schooled into your faith 
so that you can have understanding and that word and faith can be deposited on the inside of you so that you can grasp it, you can hold on to it. And when it, it's when you start to get symptoms or you start to feel, you know, the enemy will come to your mind, say, look at you, you, you couldn't be healed, you, you're feeling like this. You can rebuke him, you say, oh, no, devil, <laughs> I am the healed of the Lord. And you can walk on right out from under that attack, amen, and you can maintain your healing. And so <clears throat> Peter was able to accomplish this woman's, raised her from the dead, amen, and he presented her alive to all of the friends and saints and widows in verse 42. And it was known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. See? That faith, that, that, that faith that was there for the healing had a salvation component to it as well. You got me? When, when that story was told and when people shared and they saw her and she talked to them, Faith was still resident with them and with her in that and that she was able to convince people that Jesus was real and they began to believe on the Lord. Amen. And want to and want to serve the Lord. So that is Dorcas's story. I have another one for you Uh, in John chapter five. John chapter five. I don't want this one. Ah, yes, I do. Hang on. John 5. John chapter 5 and verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Okay. Bethesda means house of mercy. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, I'm sorry, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus, well, we know one thing, there's probably an angel hadn't been there in 38 years. Just a thought. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, will you be made whole? Will you be made whole? And the man said this. He said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. Now, he's just laying there. I mean, when you think about it, if an angel were to happen by, what is he laying there for? He don't have anybody help him even get down in there. Huh? Now, if you think about it, this is common with people these days. They want to be healed from, by God, but they don't know how to get it. Their church doesn't teach healing. Maybe they're not even in a church. They're so far away 
from the touch of God that's needed, why are they just sitting there lying there? You understand what I'm saying? And he says, he said, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said unto him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was a Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is a Sabbath day. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Now, obviously, he never went to them for healing because they didn't even recognize the man was the same one. He'd been laying there 38 years and the Pharisees didn't even know who he was. He answered them, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up your bed and walk. Then asked they him, what man is it which said that to you? And he that was healed did not know who it was for Jesus had walked away in a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and he told him this. He said, behold, you are made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come to you. Huh? why we don't have a lot of people sometimes that get healed of AIDS because they want to go back to the lifestyle they had before that you got me and then Christians get criticized because we want them to we want to help them come out of the lifestyle huh so you got to be very bold to work do this ministry in this day and age so he says um, go and sin no more lest a worse thing come to you and the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. Um, those of you who want a healing ministry, you want to lay hands on people, you can expect the same kind of reaction, folks, from certain people. Huh? Now, this is what you need to know about this. Jesus healed this man who was waiting for an angel to come down and trouble the waters. Now, God has never had a covenant with us to wait on angels to do anything. You check your Bible. Huh? Legend had it, one translation says, legend had it that an angel had once come down and troubled the waters. See, this is typical of religion. In religion, God is all, you're always waiting for something because it's always either coming or it just left. Huh? Now, tell me that those people saw visible angels. Huh? Tell me that that water couldn't have been stirred up by the wind. Huh? And nobody get healed. This is the way religious legend is. There's no biblical confirmation for that. There's no biblical evidence for any of that stuff. It's just something that's been passed on by word of mouth from one person to the next person. And it is believed and people begin to act on that thing. And so be careful what you act on. Just act on the word and nothing else. You don't need a legend. You don't need anything else to prompt you to, to believe God. All you need is God's word that you are healed. You are already healed. 
And the devil is trying to get you to accept illness rather than healing. You can't have them both at the same time. Huh? Your faith has to, your faith only works one way at a time. It'll work one way for healing or one way for illness. And so you make sure that you keep your faith in God's word because that's all you need. So Jesus comes up and everybody knows him by now as a healer. And this man thinks that he's, he can convince Jesus to be the one to come and carry him down and put him in the water. And Jesus wants to let him know that I am the healer. I myself took your infirmities and I'm the one who bore all sicknesses. We don't need the angel deal. We don't need the pool deal. We don't need the man to put you in. We don't need any of that stuff. Because once you meet him and you respond to him in faith, he is the healer. He takes precedence over all those traditions, all those old fables all that old other stuff so what he's doing what this man in a sense is trying to hold on to the tradition that one day he might get healed if circumstances are right where jesus is standing before him with a guaranteed anointing to get him healed right now the bible says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction he says that I am the, the Lord that heals you. He said, if you diligently hearken to my voice and do what's right in my sight, give ear to my commandments and keep all my statutes, I'll put none of the diseases on you that I put on the disobedient ones. See, sickness is for disobedience. Healing is for obedience and believing. And your major obedience is to believe God's word in spite of anything else. Don't let anything disqualify you from being healed. There is no disqualifier. Your faith always qualifies you for the healing touch of God. This young man, when Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk, he must have done it because in the next verse it says immediately he was made whole. I can imagine Jesus just telling him, get up and pick that bed up and get out. And he got so scared he just jumped up and did it. And he said, oh, my goodness. I'm healed, huh? Because that miracle word, that dynamite of God in Jesus' voice, that explosive power of God in his voice was able to cut through all of that disease and all of that self-pity and infirmity and all that kind of stuff. Take up your bed. Why? Huh? Because you might get back in it. Huh? This brother needs to go get a job, man. He need to float his resume. He's been laying there for 38 years, man. He need to get back circulating again. Huh? He needs to go do something to heal people do. Huh? It's like, what have you been wanting to do all these 38 years you've been laying here? Well, it's time to get up and do that stuff now. So Jesus said, you are not coming back to this mat. I'm real sorry. Huh? And when Jesus is there, nobody else is going to lay down in that mat either because that man was not by himself. I'm sure Jesus probably went row by row. Huh? Because when when 38 mat 38 years got up, you know, they probably had their little space. You know, he he one of the old timers. He'd been there forever. And my daddy had this space and 
Uncle Tom left me the space behind him. I got his his uh what is the little water drinky bottles. So he left brother Tom left me my drink bottle here and I got my pillow over there and you know my foot rest up here so I'm just comfortable. So Jesus makes him take it up and walk. Now where does Jesus find him next? Uh-huh. Right back in the temple again. Isn't that where all the religious lies started? Huh? So when Jesus tells him, go and sin no more, why would he go to church and tell this man to quit sinning? He didn't go to a bar. There was a lot of places that guy could have gone. But he went back to the dead religious church where they did never did anything for him. He winds right back up in there again. And that was his sin. Jesus didn't catch him in the bed in the midst of adultery like the the woman that they brought and never brought the man. But that's a whole different day. I can't talk about that right now. That brother ain't showed up yet to get stoned. They just drag her off there and you know, stone her. Well, they said she was caught in the act. Where's the man? Ain't no, no mention of the brother. I don't know what happened. Where's he at? I thought he was right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Huh? Kill the woman, let the man go free. Ain't that terrible? But we won't go there. But anyway, this brother shows back up in church. Huh? See, when God heals you, for you not to walk on in that healing is a sin for you. And the worst thing will come upon you. That's why many people lose it. You've got to stay with faith. You've got to stay in an atmosphere where your faith will grow, where people won't come and tell you, oh, you went over there to that meeting. Huh? Absolutely. And so for you to go back after God has set you free to be entangled with a yoke of bondage again, huh? A worse thing will happen because you're making choices then. Before it was ignorance. He didn't know that, that there wouldn't be an angel coming to trouble the water. But now that he's enlightened, he better go with the truth and go with enlightenment or a worse thing will happen to him. Huh? And Jesus told him that to his face. <laughs> so anyway, that was, that was his sin. It was the unbelief and believing traditions that kept him on that mat. And Jesus wanted him free from that. So if we'll stop believing in fables and tradition, old wives' tales, stuff we've heard, the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We've been prophesied to here today, twice. Testimony of Jesus healing his, his works and his activities among his people, that's a prophetic word to anybody who needs that. You got me? So if, if you have a situation where the enemy's attacking your body, you know, you had a stroke many years ago, and it seems like the devil's trying to give you another one. Well, this affliction will not come on you a second time. It will not come on you a second time. And you got to tell the devil that in the face of what he's doing. Huh? And you got to tell him whatever the, the Spirit of God moves on you to tell him, but you resist him with the Word of God. It's been decreed already that you are the healed of the Lord. It is God's will that you be well, not sick. 
So whenever you're agreeing with the will of God, you have his power on your side. You don't have to bow to the power of the devil anymore. Amen. 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 In in Mark chapter 10, I'm going to go there. And I think after that we can pray for some people. Mark chapter 10. In verse 46, it says, They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, And say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. This is a generic request. Okay, I'll just cut to the chase with this one. Have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, when when the disciples asked Jesus, said, Lord, increase our faith. They knew it wasn't measuring up to the desire that they had need of. And so he told them this. He he told them this parable or this illustration. He said, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you would say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Now, Bartimaeus is saying to Jesus, have mercy on me. But then there are other people telling him to be quiet. The voices that are telling you you can't have something represent that mountain. Huh? Uh-huh. And they're everywhere, trust me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up. Don't you see the master? He's he all that. Huh? This Benny Hinn. Look at his little white suit. You can't talk to him. Uh, this is what it is. This, this is the way they do. You know, uh, get out the way. You know, you, oh, no, you can't get him. You've got to get an appointment. You've got to talk to a secretary. I don't even know if he'll talk to you then. Hmm? It's called bad ushering, okay, or bad armor bearing, huh? Because good ushers and armor bearers can tell by the spirit that's on a person what the need is, huh? Can tell. I can tell. But what did Bartimaeus do? He cried all the more louder. He said, you bad ushers, I don't care. He said, I don't care. That's a servant of God, and I know the God he serves, and I asked God if I could see him and if he would pray for me, and I know he's going to do it. Huh? Or Robert said he prayed for a woman one time after his crusade was over. She hid somewhere and saw them come and bringing him out to the car and stepped in front of him and asked for prayer. And he said he was so upset, and he said, well, okay, and said it real rough and laid hands on a woman, got her healing. God told him, she said, I healed. God said, told Oral, he said, I healed her, but you won't get credit for it. Huh? See, you don't refuse. If you're a servant, you serve. You don't try to stay away from people. You make yourself available to people. If you can't touch everybody, you find a way to get that anointing on something. Jesus had disciples. We got stars. Huh? 
Jesus sent them out. He said, y'all go do your thing. Huh? If they ran into some bad cases, too tough for them, Jesus showed up there supernaturally. He knew when they were in trouble. Huh? And couldn't get the job done. They down there having a little healing party with a boy who was foaming at the mouth and falling in the fire. And they couldn't do nothing. Jesus up there on the mountain transfiguration had an experience with his dad and comes down and the whole place is toe up from the floor up. Little boys wiggling around the daddy screaming and crying. The disciples can't do nothing. It's a mess. Jesus said, man, I've just been up there at the glory of me. I saw Moses. I saw my peeps from heaven. Been up there hanging with them. And then we come down to this mess. Huh? Huh? It's called an unbelief healing service is what it amounted to. But what did Jesus do? He calmed the whole situation down. And the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. He must have done it because the little boy wound up healed. You see, he healed that kid down there. And so Jesus knows how to get into these situations to alleviate trouble. But when the disciples said, increase my faith, he said, a mountain's going to have to hit it for it gets stronger. That's why every time you reach out for something, the faith that you have seems like it's not enough. Huh? You want that instant healing and it don't come instantly. But you keep going after it because the only thing that's happening is every time you hit a resistance or every time you get a no, your faith is getting increased. Amen. Doesn't go down, it goes up for hitting resistance. And it's going to have to hit resistance or it will stay at the level it's at and not get any stronger. Huh? Isn't that what them personal trainers tell you? Huh? I was doing my little bicycle at the exercise place, and I was on L1. I didn't know they had different levels, to. I'm just L1 for the longest time. Huh? And stubborn belly fat is getting more stubborn. It's talking back to me. I said, go down in Jesus' name. I'm not going down. You make me. Oh, my goodness. Huh? You ever heard the stomach talk back to you? I have. My mother told me this would happen when I got older, but I never thought I'd live to see today, you know. I'm not going anywhere. You go somewhere. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So I put it up to L4, and I thought, well, that, that ain't too bad. I could work with that. And so I looked over this lady sitting next to me. You know, it's always a little thin one sitting next to me. I said, where would she come from? You know, a little gnat. And I, you know, I tried to get all uh, obnoxious, and she wouldn't go. She sat there. And so I looked to see what her little level was. She was on nine. <laughs> OMG. And so I looked over my little thing. I said, oh. Put it up to 10 and killed myself for about. And she wouldn't leave. And I'm sitting there sweating. And, oh, Lord. So anyway, I, I compromised. I went to nine where she was. And I said, okay, we're going to roll there for a while. And, and so belly fat quit talking back to me so much. And it's, you know, so when it meets some resistance, strength comes. You have to know that about the no answers. Amen. The no answers come to strengthen you, and they are only temporary. They're only temporary. 
The permanent answer is the yes and the amen. So Bartimaeus talked all the louder. Huh? Bad ushers need to be loud talked in the church. Huh? They do. No, I'm a minister. Let me up to the front row. Your pastor called me and invited me, and I'm not sitting back there where all that noise is. I'm going to sit in the front where I can get what I came for. Huh? That's what you do. Amen. Amen. If you're a minister in here, let us know because, you you know, we'll sit you where you want to sit. You came to get something from God. Not that nobody else can have a good seat, but we honor people. We we know that they come to hear the word and that they're to carry back something to their people. So we just try to honor that as much as we can, you know. I've been in places where people would have everybody sitting on the front and have all the ministers in the back. Now, that, and those things don't last, see. They don't last because you have to honor the people who are working for the Lord. They came there for something. So anyway, it says many charged him. I mean, a lot of people told him to shut up. Huh? Well, they've been used to abusing the little guy. No doubt. You know, he's a blind man. They, You know, he's, uh, shut up, Bartimaeus. Is that you, cousin? No, that ain't me. You know, disguise their voice and all that stuff. And he don't know who's talking to him. It's, Huh? I'm Jesus. I'm telling you to shut up. You know, you ain't getting that. Huh? So, yeah, they mess with you. We ain't putting up with that. So he says, many told him, but he cried all the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. First time didn't stop him. Second time probably didn't stop him, but he got very loud. Now, it wasn't the volume that made Jesus stop. It was the fact that the first time his faith was at a small level and it wasn't big enough for Jesus to pay attention to him. They told him to shut up and he got louder and his faith got bigger as a result of it. So by the time they told him to shut up and he got loud again, his faith. Faith was at the level that it touched Jesus and stopped him. Amen. Loud and long does not impress God. Huh? He don't care how much you cry about them dresses. He's going to have to have some compassion and send somebody to raise Dorcas up or she ain't getting up and making nothing for y'all. In fact, if I was Dorcas, I'd have quit the dressmaking business and start preaching. Wouldn't that blow their mind? <laughs> Got me a new oh no honey, I've been raised from the dead. I don't do that no more. <laughs> oh boy. So anyway, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Jesus made all the bad ushers shut up and sit down and bring that man over here to me. He always does that. He always makes sure that you get his full attention. And they called a blind man saying to him, be of good comfort, rise. Now, see, ushers change their song real real quick. One minute they start, you know, with their little shirts on and, you know, trying to look buff and holding the gut in and pushing the gun out. You know how to. All that nonsense. Then they say, oh, oh, you come right on in, come right on in. One word from God can change people in power from a no to a yes. You got me? One word from God. And he'll, he'll give that word to him, if people, if we believe him for it. 
And he says, Jesus, and he him casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. See, another act of faith. That garment meant everything to him before. That was his bread. That was his money. That was his livelihood. Because when people saw that, they, they, were, uh, they had pity on him, and they would give him something. See, wearing that robe as a blind man identified him. It's like the white cane now in this society. It was the robe that they wore. And they were beggars, and they were blind. And so he threw his robe down, which meant, I'm coming out. You don't have to tell me to take up my bed and walk. I'm walking out of this. I want no more of this blind thing. And so Jesus answered and said to him, what will you that I should do to you? And why would you ask a blind man what he wants? Listen, I've asked sick people at the altar what they want, and they say, I want something for my finances. Huh? If you want to be healed, say you want to be healed because God only works in specific faith. There's a lot of things Jesus can do for this man. So he can't be guessing that man has to extend his faith again for specifically what he needs. Now he's got enough faith to get in Jesus' face and, and get an audience with him. But then Jesus must ask him, what is it? You must verbalize what you want from God. As Charles Capp says, don't call the dog if you want the cat. You've got to call for specifically because God can only give you specifically what you want, what you ask for. So if you want to be healed, say, God, heal me. If, he don't, if you don't get your healing right away, say, God, heal me again. Keep saying it over. Don't change your request. Huh? Don't back away and think healing's too hard for God, and maybe I'll ask him to pay a bill since he's in the house. You ask him for exactly what you want. Amen? Nothing's too hard for God. He's the God of all flesh, and nothing's too hard for him. He made us all. He made everything about us, and he knows how to fix it all, and he wants to fix it. So let me ask you, what is it that you want from God? What is it that you, Jesus is saying right now, what is it that I can do for you? He wants to hear a specific request out of your lips. I don't care if you've told him before. Well, I told him before and he ought to know. He does know. But he wants you to exercise your faith in the atmosphere where the great physician is. See, you've been asking in the prayer closet and you've been asking all other places. But now Jesus is here among us to heal. And he wants to know, what is it that you desire? What is it you want me from? What do you want from me? Tell me. Tell me. Right now in his presence, talk to him and tell him what you want. You put on some music back there. Praise God. Doesn't take long to say, I want my sight. I want my walk. I want my legs healed. I want to, to get rid of this disease. So when you're ready, come on up to the altar because I will pray for you. Jesus has anointed me to heal the sick. Amen. He's anointed Pastor Shirley to heal the sick. So we're going to pray for you.